Senior off-sea correspondent for his second appearance. Welcome back, Corey Metcalf. Yay! Hello, how are you? I get a feeling that this is a subject close to your heart, the slashers. It is, yes. This is where I cut my teeth. Oh! <laughs> nice! <laughs> Nicely done. We're off to a cheesy start. I like it. Uh, well, there's lots of good stuff. I think a, a few of these might jump to mind when you think of slashers, but some don't. Some surprised me at the start of the countdown, so we'll get to that. But we have to say thanks for the lot of fun we had last week with our senior twin correspondent. Our senior evil twin correspondent. Your evil twin. Well, <laughs> sometimes that's up for debate. No, it is th- not. That's neither here nor there. Uh, your sister Joy, that, we had a lot of fun, uh, her joining us last week. And um, we had some fun with the twins. And then right after that, we found out about a new twin movie that's coming. That's right. Neil Marshall at NACMAC. I always love the handles. Uh, he posted uh, a video for Suicide Forest, which is a brand new one, and it looks really good. So thanks for sharing, Neil. Have you heard of this one, Corey? No, I haven't heard anything about this one. Interesting. Yeah, a new evil twin uh, horror movie. Do we have a release date on that yet? Uh, no. But it looks cool. It does. looks, looks creepy. looks very creepy. Because so it's evil well. twins and a forest, which are... Oh, yeah. You're out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fun, so thank you to Joy. And also, thank you to uh, all the many contributions we got for this countdown. Yeah, because we asked, we asked for some help because there are so many, just so many slashers to wade through. And I thought, well, let's see what other people really like. And we got a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, feedback from that uh, Bridget, longtime listener, and the beloved Bridget from the Columbus Facebook page. And she wanted to see Inside which is everybody's favorite French movie, right? Inside. She wanted to see that. One of ours, for sure. Yeah. And she wanted to see a lot of Argento. A lot of people wanted to see a lot of Dario Argento, and I'm going to disappoint them all, so I apologize up front. <laughs> <laughs> she also voted for Cub, which a couple of other people voted for Cub, which is a good one. And it's uh, it, it's just out this year. Not a lot of people have seen it. Uh, you know, you could, cause I think you still need to check for it because it's not in wide release. And then uh, Brenda Thomas tweeted Black Christmas and Halloween. And then Sean at, again, I love the... Colossal Bandit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) He loved Scream, which he watched when he was far too young, by the way. Well, those are all good. They are. And uh, and I think we got into, I'd say, discussion, disagreement when uh, Psycho came up. Because we have to define slasher, or or your definition of slasher. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to take the blame for this. So for me, and because you do, you have to you have to narrow the field a bit. So for me, um, first of all, a slasher the the murdering utensil has to be a blade of some kind. Like you can't it can't be poison, it can't be a gun, it can't, it's got to be a blade of some sort. Well, that makes that makes sense, right? Because that's you know, you're what are slashing you slash exactly, with? Yeah. exactly. But the other thing is that it can't be in a single isolated place. Somebody's got to be stalking. A group of people around an area, a town, a woods, a field, a something. It can't be, there's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're just going to go to a house. It's not Slasher, or excuse me, it's not Psycho, you're just going to go to a house. And See, then- that's where I, I have to, I will have to disagree. Okay. I, I think Psycho 
should qualify. Did you just make up this this location rule? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I could get back up from somewhere. <laughs> well, what's your well, Corey? Uh, you know, it's a knife's edge on Psycho. Who knows? I do. It's, uh, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You walked Maybe into not. that one. You walked right just, into that. I'll just slice it down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> You're very punny neither, today. <laughs> neither a slasher, neither nor a slasher. So, well, I'm obviously as you know, as I often do, because I'm somewhat intelligent. I'm going to defer <laughs> defer to your uh, your judgment call. But I I have to vote for uh, Psycho as a, as a slasher. I mean, he he does a lot of slashing. He really does, but your problem is he's contained in one area there, that one area around the house, the ground. Yeah, he's not stalking anybody. They're coming to him. <laughs> They're just showing up at his house, at his motel, and then he's, you know, dispatching them. I, well, gotta... we're not, we're, the, the countdown isn't stalkers, no, it's slashers. I'm, no, I'm telling you, there's a two-part element to it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. We're smiling, we're laughing, but you can't see the looks on our faces. <laughs> But uh, all right, there's a you know there's a somewhat of an argument there, um, and I'll let we'll just let you know we'll let listeners weigh in uh, when when we're all done here. But uh, anyway, so that's what's not going to be on it. Yeah, right? so you're not going to find Psycho. You're not going to find Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're not you know they're just you know places where you just go to an isolated location. And in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though I'm sure a, ch- a chainsaw can be considered a blade, it's want a knife, maybe a maybe a machete. I'm all right with a machete. I'm all right with you know. I don't know. I'm picky. I'm picky. I, I was going to say, anything else? Do they have to be wearing a certain kind of cloak? <laughs> Is there, I mean, <laughs> you've got some serious uh, definitions here, but that's okay, because regardless of how you <clears throat> slice it, Corey, um, <laughs> there are yeah. some good ones here. Yes. There are some good ones here, so let's, uh, let's dive in. And uh, one at number five, and this one confused me a little bit because it's known by a few different titles depending on where you are i guess but from 1971 it's bay of blood to be honest this uh number five is gonna probably upset a lot of people not because they don't love mario baba's bay of blood uh, but because uh, it has bumped something else off the list. And actually, so one of the reasons I wanted to include this one is because a lot of people give, say, maybe uh, Black Christmas was the first slasher or uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown was the first slasher, but Bay of Blood was 1971. So for me, kind of the first. And like a lot of things, it was an, it's an Italian films, a lot of times they sort of start the trend and then the rest of the world follows suit. So it's not, if when you watch it, it, it's weird. It's a weird situation where you feel like you're watching formula, but the, actually the formula doesn't exist yet. So it veers in fun ways unpredictable ways but the other thing you'll notice whole scenes that were taken like wholesale for the original friday the 13th movie came directly out of this film and it's not a summer camp movie um it's sort of an an italian upper crust neighborhood where all of this happens but still you know there's a the arrow (laughs) like i mean there's apparently they have a lot of of uh fun outdoorsy equipment in this neighborhood and and uh the killer makes great use of it so well, I'm glad you brought that up about lifting whole scenes because that's the first thing I thought of in the scene where the couple is on, uh, on the bed and then there's the, the arrow. Yeah. It goes right yeah. through the bodies and the bed and that's the whole Kevin Bacon exactly. scene from Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah, It's not that it's that great of a film, but it, it really is the first, I think, of its kind and, and I think almost all of the summer camp 
style films followed it. So the burning, which actually a lot of times people will say was an exact replica of Friday the 13th, but they were they were actually filmed simultaneously. So it's just weird that they are so similar. And it's an, they mostly use like big pruning shears. But um, there are so many films that wound up looking and, and feeling so much like Mario Bava's Bay of Blood, which isn't even one of his best films. And it's not one of the films he's really remembered for. He's usually known for sort of the really gorgeous black and white earlier sort of witchcrafty driven kind of films that he made but this was uh it's in color it's very gory you can see where Dario Argento took a lot from this movie in particular but I think so many of what we consider to be the traditional slashers definitely started with this movie well you know I saw the Bay of Blood for the first time maybe about a year ago and uh I watched it again uh before doing this podcast with you guys because I knew it was on the list and honestly I still don't really know what the motivation of the killer is. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Property dispute maybe? <laughs> and they kill some teenagers in the middle? They do it's wander in where they shouldn't be. But you're right. It is the kind of film that is pre-formula slasher film. So it's very very different to any of the slashes that came throughout the 80s. Yeah. And uh, it's it's almost refreshing to watch something like that. It is. It, it is because, you know, I saw it years after. I mean, I was always very attuned to the idea of the slasher by the time I saw it. And so I kept feeling like, well, this isn't right. You know, it's like, what are you doing here? You're not following a script. But it's because it was pre-script, which was, yeah, it was kind of refreshing. And also, yeah. you, you might find it, as I did, under different titles. Now, is that because when it was released in America, it was something about the twitch of the nerve? That's one title, and it goes by other names. Carnage. It's, you can sometimes find it under Carnage as well. The first time I saw I saw a trailer for it at like a midnight movie in Boston a thousand years ago, and that's what they kept cut. The, the, the word just kept coming up on the screen, Carnage. We were actually there to watch Planet of the Vampires, which is another really bad Mario Baba movie, and um, which has several other titles as well. And so I looked it up originally under Carnage. Uh, but, you know... Uh, the late 70s, early 80s Italian horror are often, you'll find multiple international titles. Yeah, I think the version, the dubbed American version, uh, is called Twitch of the Nerve, I believe. Or Twitch of the Death Nerve, I Twitch of the Death, something like that. There's nerves and there's twitching <laughs> involved. That's what I know. And, <laughs> and also a lot of blood. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, that's one. But it's even though I think the, the point I'm getting from you, even though you're saying it's not the greatest movie in the world, it's going to get a lot of extra points because it was such a trailblazer. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what it is for me. And, so, and, and then there are a lot of movies that aren't going to make this list that, you know, could have Sleepaway Camp. Uh, is one cub actually is another one that is a very very good movie and it's very interesting and creepy but i kind of wanted to go with one just you know the sort of the trailblazer and so obviously i gotta get around to this and i think Corey has a bone to pick here friday the 13th is not going to make this list (laughs) is there a bone to pick there Corey? maybe a little bit when hope sent me the the top five and i thought oh maybe you guys could do a fuzzy kind of math here <laughs> and, and throw Friday 13th on there because it is a movie that's dear to my heart but I can see where she's coming from it is an early film that deserves recognition for for what it did uh it, and how it was introduced into America and influenced American slasher films from then on uh, you know other ones I could mention are movies like New Year's Evil which oh, was sure. very pre-formula you know you've got uh, a main character who isn't a young virginal woman. She's actually quite old and and uh, certainly not a virgin. So it's strange watching movies like this. And, you know, I wish I kind of, of course, wish that Friday the 13th was on there. But, yeah, like I said, I can understand where you're coming from. 
Well, I promise if we were to do one with just iconic villains, clearly, clearly Friday the 13th, or best hockey mask use, you know. <laughs> that, that so, would... <laughs> well, so what... Well, you couldn't even do that until part three. So. I know. <laughs> so what's the what what's the, your problem with Friday the 13th? Is it because of your, your strict rules? They're not being adhered to? No, no. Um, I just, um, I, I almost went with that and I really wanted to, uh, I just really, what I was going to do originally was talk about Friday the 13th and then mention Bay of Blood. And the longer I thought about it, the more I thought, oh, I just want to put Bay of Blood on here and then mention Friday the 13th. And then Corey's being very polite about it, but people are probably going to be super mad. You just, you just want to stir things up. I'm a troublemaker. You, you just want to stir the pot. <laughs> That's what you're doing. So number five, after much, much uh, gnashing of teeth is uh, Bay of Blood, Mario Bava, 1971. So, so uh, number four, also in the 70s. I love this. Uh, 1974, it's Black Christmas. Hello? Yeah, I've Who are you? For God's sake, what are you doing? Who is it? I'm going to kill you. Here is my favorite piece of trivia about the movie Black Christmas. It's directed by Bob Clark, who you may recognize for having directed another Christmas-themed movie. He also directed A Christmas Story. Wow. <laughs> little... <laughs> Not quite the same Christmas story. No, it's a different. Fragile. Wow. It's, it's a different film altogether. <laughs> this one has uh, Margot Kidder. Yep. We just, oh, and Margot Kidder made, made the list last week Yeah, she's in Sister well. as a twin. So, wow. Yeah. Margot Kidder. And um, Olivia Hussey and the great John Saxon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know what? One day we should do a podcast on any of the lists that we've ever had that didn't include John Saxon, at least one of the movies. Exactly. <laughs> Cause, exactly. Because he's in everything. So this is a... Uh, sorority Massacre. Sorority, mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorority Massacre. And if I may say, they're, they're a bit older than college girls, are they not? They may be. But it's Canada. Maybe they go to college longer there. <laughs> It's Canada. <laughs> They'll just chalk it up to being Canada. We'll blame Canada. <laughs> so there's a uh, sorority massacre going on. That's the holiday. It's that holiday feeling. So obviously underneath this category could be any other sorority massacre um, film, although there are going to be people, people who say, point out rightly, well, sorority massacres are all taking place in the sorority house, aren't they? Here's why this one is okay. It doesn't just take place in the sorority house. They also, the, the guy stalks them all around town. It's just that much like when a stranger calls, he's calling from inside the house. Mm-hmm. So it actually started a lot of trends, to be honest, that that made ripples across uh, low-budget horror. And uh, one of the reasons that this works for me, because it's a pretty stupid movie, as many slashers are, and you got to sort of suspend disbelief and be okay with that, and f- wonder, which we will in a number of these movies, what's the matter with the police force in this town? Well, John <laughs> Saxon. I think, you know, he'll be the problem with the police force in the next movie. I mean, the calls themselves are really creepy. Like, this is the thing that elevates the movie for me. It's like every time they enter the phone and they hear that voice... I'm like, no, yeah, I would be super creeped out by this guy. And, you know, at this point in film history, you know everything that's coming. You're not surprised by anything that they're going to throw at you. But in 1974, you would have been. It would have been the first film to do many of the things that it does do. You know, the performances aren't terrible. Margot Kidder is never terrible. And it just has some fun turns, I think. Okay, so Black Christmas is, it's an oddball film. It really is. You know, having a a killer that is in your house and you don't know that they're there and then they're calling you up all the time as well and and really making pervy phone calls i mean yeah <laughs> yuck <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you say obviously all the teenagers in this house you know 
Olivia Hussey is definitely like 26 years old. <laughs> I was going to say, I was waiting after you said teenagers for... <coughs> <laughs> Maybe they're grad students. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing I love about this film is the, um, the box art for it. That, that image of a girl sitting in a rocking chair with a plastic bag on her head. <laughs> I remember seeing it and going, what the hell is this movie? I don't watch this. And, you know, I, I watched it maybe four years ago. I was in film school and we had to make our first short film. So I said, hey, you know, how about we all get together and we'll do a, a slasher film that's set on a specific day. So I went through and I tried to find as many specific day horror films that I could. And I watched Black Christmas. It really is just crazy weird. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah. It's just that kind of movie that it's kind of like When a Stranger Calls, but not really. Right. And then it's kind of like Halloween, but not really. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to gauge. It's, it's very good. And it's very creepy. It is. It's so, it, it's yeah. it, in the way in like a stranger calls when a stranger calls. It's so much of it is a police procedural that you're like, wait, what's why are we doing this now? And then they just all make such bad decisions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's you know it's weirdly fascinating. Another yeah. one you you wanted to talk about. Um, but didn't make the list was the town the dreaded sundown. Yeah, which I mentioned a minute ago, uh, but it falls well, I think, under this category because it's the same thing. It's a very early slasher that doesn't follow the path because it was pre-path, and um, a lot of people really love town the dreaded sundown. And uh, I actually um, I find it hard to watch because it's so badly made. You know, there's a scene where where the cops are chasing the the killer across the um, railroad tracks. Then he gets away because the train is coming, except that you can clearly see in 95 different shots that the train is three cars long. And at one point, actually, you can see that there's a boom mic hanging down from the third car as it goes past. I mean, it's I find it hard to get past some of that. But it is similar to this. It's um, sort of part slasher with a lot of police procedural and some weird comedy elements thrown in. You know, I think for a horror buff, it's definitely worth checking out. But for me, it doesn't really stand the test of time. So when the family comes over for the holidays, bust out the Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's uh, don't, don't bust out the remake, though, because that movie is terrible. Agreed. Uh, Black Christmas at number four. And uh, now we get into the heavy hitters. For the, uh, for the top three, and we'll start at number three from 1984, the original A Nightmare on Elm Street. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. A new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, no matter how many times it's been remade, sequels, rebooted, the one image that always stays with me is the long arm. Right. He's walking up and... and He's chasing Tina down the alley. Holds out the long arms. I think I first saw that image before I saw the movie when the trailer came out. And that got me right there. Well, I think, I mean, for me, the thing that made the movie so incredibly effective was just the core story, which, of course, is, is actually based on the concept of sleep paralysis. You know, it's just this concept that, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to go to sleep, right? Right. And there he is waiting for you. I mean, I just loved that idea. It was so terrifying. And then, you know, Robert England is so great. Freddie Krueger is such a great character. That's the thing. They made up, uh, just, they came up with an iconic character. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's, he's played, like you said, great characterization uh, by Robert England. And, you know, 
all all the things that became such trademarks: the sweater, the hat, you know, the oh, the, the, the hand, knives, the, the on, the knives finger, on the fingers, yeah. and uh, and all the things he can turn into uh, in in the dreams. Yeah, it's it's so uh, iconic, and you can see why right from this very first movie. Yeah, and the chant. The little girls with the uh, uh, jump rope. I mean, everything about it is, you know, uh, you know, Wes Craven is sort of a magician with a low budget. And um, he's got some, you know, there's some restrictions here. I've, I've mentioned before Heather Langenkamp. But, you know, he also lucked into some very decent performances, not just England. But, you know, he discovered Johnny Depp. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> um, but for me, more than anything, it and, you know, and there's a really fun, weird, dark sense of humor about it. That, oh, yeah. That not a lot of slashers up to that point really embraced. I just think everything about it is it's it's just magical. Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, as, as iconic as Freddy is, there is so much more iconic imagery in this movie. You have the tongue coming out of the phone and licking it right on the mouth. (laughs) God, that gets me every time. Um, You know, this is one that really had iconic kills. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the bedroom scene getting thrown up into the corners and onto the roof Mm -hmm. and then getting your your stomach slashed open. Johnny Depp on the bed and then all the blood spewing out of the bed. They collected it in buckets. You know, in that sense, this this movie is very groundbreaking because it kind of gave you that bloodlust of, yes, I want to see more of these kills. Yeah, and not only that, but the whole, with so many other movies, when you use the device, the contrived device of, oh, it's just a dream, but this is built into the actual premise. So when they use it over and over, it, it, it feels more it feels more authentic because you really don't know, are they asleep or, or are they awake? But that's okay. You don't feel like you're being played by this overtired gimmick because that's the whole basis for the movie. Right. And, of course, the the score as well is fantastic. It is. It's very 80s, which I think, you know, I, I think if you make a slasher today, you probably still use an 80s soundtrack because it's almost like you just it just fits. Yeah, well, exactly. you, you see something like, I know it's not slasher, but you see something like It Follows, mm-hmm. and it's a very throwback uh, soundtrack, the mm-hmm. setting, everything. So uh, I, think there's a, I think there's a point there. And um, one that kind of follows in the vein of iconic, not nearly as iconic, but Candyman, uh, you wanted to bring up, because that's a one figure that is brought back over and over again. Yeah, and, it, and it's a supernatural sort of a slasher, which the others are not. Well, eventually Jason is, but, but you know, the others are, they're just guys for yeah. the most part. But uh, but Candyman is, is again, I mean, he he doesn't come out of your dreams, but he, you know, he sort of comes out of the ether. And he sometimes doesn't use the mirror. A, sometimes he doesn't use a blade. Sometimes he uses bees. Oh, that, the, speaking <laughs> of that, that's a great image, too. I love that image. The bees. It is. But is I mean, oh my God, his voice, yeah. you know, Tony Dodd's voice is so, I mean, he's just, he's such a, he's such an impressive character, Candyman. I don't love the movie around it. I like it. I like it well enough. And I like the remake well enough, or the, the sequel well enough. And, you know, Virginia Madsen, it's, I mean, she always does a nice job. It's just, it's memorable. It's creepy. Candyman made me afraid to go into public restrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't do it. No. That might just be a healthy attitude to have. Really? really? Yeah. <laughs> That's, if, if you develop that... If I go that, in that restroom, yeah. I'm going to get murdered. I know it. <laughs> Candyman, not a slasher, but, but worth mentioning, along with Freddy, which is the number three movie. And boy, they keep, they keep getting bigger, moving up from number two in 1996. More Wes Craven. It's Scream. <laughs> Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step 
too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. Scream. This was the first horror movie that I ever saw. Wow. This is this you know people say that Scream was the the revival of the slasher horror film in the mid 90s and it really was but you know, for me I was 12 years old at the time and I I managed to see this film during my older brother's sleepover birthday party you know they all played it and this just made me fall in love with uh films and the good thing about scream too is that it introduces you to other slasher films and Mm -hmm. then you can keep rolling from there you know so i i discovered halloween and the town that dreaded sundown nightmare on elm street so this film has a a a very special place in my heart and of course it it mixes in that whodunit aspect as well so very exciting yeah and that's one of the genius things about it again wes craven kind of reinventing the genre because he just turned it on its head and made it meta but not too meta it was a, an homage it was a, all the things people loved about these movies and and having fun with the, the all the staples in them but having a whodunit and it's really it's just a brilliant way to do it it is it's enjoyable from the opening scene you know and, and even from the opening scene it's drew barrymore and and no one no one thought Drew Barrymore is going to die right. in the opening scene. You're like, right. oh, look, Drew Barrymore's in this movie. And it, it was just genius. Little little strokes of genius like that. And, you know, Henry Winkler is the principal. That's great. <laughs> you know, Checking and then the, his hair. <laughs> that's right. The janitor is dressed like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, there's just so many. And then the cast is great. You know, Skeet Ulrich was so good. And, and Matthew Lillard, nutty face Matthew Lillard, he yeah. was so great. Yep. Um, Nev Campbell was good. You know, Courtney Cox. I mean, the whole the whole cast, it was it was funny. And and just like he did, you know, a decade before with Nightmare on Elm Street, he just he reinvented yep. the genre. Yep. Every movie that came out after that until the Japanese horror uh, overtook it. Every movie that came after that was just, well, either a sequel or a knockoff of Scream. Yeah, because just at the perfect time... He made the whole genre fresh again. Yep. Oh, this is new. This is something we haven't seen. It was, it was, yeah, it was just perfect. And the first sequel is really, really good as well, it actually. Is. Yeah, it it's, really is. It's meta, meta. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, they're making the movie at the same time that, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, he's making another movie that talks about other movies. It's, it's, uh, it's a mind bender, but it's yeah. really fun. It's, it's always fun. Yeah. It's got, it's got the blood. It's got the, uh, the, the mystery, but it's, it's smart. It's right. smartly written and, and well acted and just well done. So, They've got a TV thing going now, right? They do on MTV. They have a. Um, it's not the same town. It's not the same story, and okay. that's how they make this work. I guess is I don't know copycats or something. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain because I haven't seen it. Well, take it all back to the beginning. Uh, Scream, the original, uh, 1996 is number two, and that leaves room at the top for probably the granddaddy of them all. Back to 1978, the original Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Yeah, I remember going to going to see this in the theater Ooh. when I was a kid. In the theater. And I and I wasn't, you know, familiar, of course, with some of the uh staples of these movies or any movie really, but uh, boy at the end we we all didn't expect him not to be there <laughs> after they killed him, and they look back down, and his body's gone. That just freaked us out. So uh, it was scary, and and just a 
kind of a marker in your life, at least for somebody that was as old as I was at the time. You just remembered, boy, I, I got to see that in the theater. You know, I probably was not old enough to see it, but, you know, they were looking the other way, small town theater, just give me your money and go in. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I'm so glad now to look back on it thinking, yeah, I got to see that one in the theater. And everybody just yelling and screaming. It was a lot of fun, but scary at the same time. Yeah, it's it is scary, and you know, and it stands up pretty well. There are some things now that seem hokey and seem formulaic, obviously, but it, it really does stand up. And and a lot of it is uh, is that score, which is my ringtone, by the way. It, <laughs> yeah. It's the it's my favorite. There are some great ones, obviously, across horror, um, but it's it's my favorite and probably the, for me the most effective. It, it adds the most to the overall film, I think, except maybe Jaws. It does. It's perfect and. You know, the setting, we just talked about how the setting has been, you know, homaged and, and it follows uh, mm-hmm. because it's just become that perfect, you know, suburban setting where the, uh, where the killer is. And, and it's also done in uh, Trick or Treat. Yes. In, in the, much the same way. Mm-hmm. I also think um, it hit John Carpenter at like sort of the perfect stage in his career. He'd made earlier films, obviously, and but at like right at, for me, right at Halloween, he sort of developed his style. Like you can you can pick up pick up like little flares and flashes from earlier work that he just seems to they it just seems to gel in this film. I assume you love this film, Corey. I, I was so excited to say that your number one was Halloween because my number one is Halloween <laughs> and closely followed by Scream, but. Yeah, Halloween is is just such a, a seminal film in John Carpenter's career. It's it's amazingly made, and uh, you know, from a filmmaker point of view, the cinematographer Dean Cundey, who of course went on to have a fantastic career after Halloween, um, he did such a fantastic job, and it's it's really the opening scene of the film, a, a long eight minute steady cam shot that goes around the house mm-hmm. and through the back door up the stairs kill kill the sister and yep. come back down amazing amazing stuff for what is a low budget film i mean this was made for three hundred thousand dollars right and a lot of the time because i've watched this movie 300 times <laughs> there are a lot of shots in the film where there are obvious mistakes but the first time you watch it you don't even see them because you are so ingrained in, in the universe that he creates here. The suspense is always building, building, building to a big climax. It's just an amazing piece of filmmaking. Yeah, and just like the music, think about all the things that he put in the movie because of that low budget that just became such staples of so, so legendary like the mask the Shatner mask the Shatner absolutely. mask I mean you know because if they had a bigger budget they probably would have fallen all over themselves trying to craft the perfect mask but no you grab a, a William Shatner mask and paint it and boom done and it's become so legendary because oh, it was just it was incredibly creepy yeah, was. just this blank you know smile like smile free it was yeah it was incredibly creepy and I think that the, you know, the the silent, stealthy, you know, always moving, never speaking Michael Myers, that sort of lack of personality and passion is, is so offset by Donald Pleasant's just over-the-topness about everything. It's <laughs> pure evil. His eyes held nothing but evil. It's like he's yeah. so over-the-top and melodramatic, but scenes can use that periodically because of the teens are just behaving somewhat normally of course jamie lee curtis is a very she's great in it of course but yep. it's, a, it's a pretty restrained performance and and then and so then you just need to have somebody who's just nuts and then you get it and donald pleasance yeah and you almost get the feeling he's so over the top that he's just thinking what am i doing 
What am I doing in this movie? <laughs> because I'm sure he had no idea. He'd done 500 movies. Right, right. You know, had no idea this thing was going to go on to be what it was. And, of course, bring him back for more sequels. But, yeah, it's, it's a perfect counterpoint, right. as you said. No, I agree 100%. The cast of this film is quite amazing. And, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis, this started her road to her Screen Queen status uh, to the point where she's actually on a TV show at the moment called Screen Queen. Right, right. Which I find hilarious. It's a new guilty pleasure of mine, by the way. We haven't seen that one. We haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> but to Donald Pleasance, you're right. He is so over the top. And the, the fact that he's a psychiatrist as a hero, I mean, you can't <laughs> do that anymore. <laughs> you could only get that in 1978. <laughs> God forbid I bring up PJ Souls. <laughs> I'm sorry, George. That's right. We know how you feel about PJ Souls, George. Not my she favorite. Was great. I thought she was fantastic in this movie. <laughs> well, by making you want to smack her in the face. <laughs> She's That's always true. great. She had to come. <laughs> deserves to get choked out sometimes. <laughs> uh, but one that, that uh, it's funny, one that uh, Hope also has down here uh, to talk about. One, it's one of the few that I like. That you don't, right? And that's Terror Train, which I thought was okay. Yeah, I put a couple of the Jamie Lee, you know, the the, the t- Jamie Lee top slashers in here. Prom Night, which is so disco. Who's disco <laughs> dancing with Leslie Nielsen right now? That's uh, that's, that's a movie to see. That really is. That one is is just hilarious now. But I, you know, maybe I'd have to see it again, and I would I would not have the same uh, the same reaction. But I remember seeing Terror Train back in the day and thinking it was all right. No, what do you think, Corey? Terror Train? Well, Terror Train's pretty much just Halloween ripoff on a train. Okay, so <laughs> so I think he sighs with me. <laughs> but it's you know it's gone with the wind compared to prom night yeah although prom night uh as actually as wes craven points out in scream prom night started a lot of things that people circled back to for the rest of horror so i mean it it, it broke some ground and did yes, some disco the, dancing the red herring thing is is very commonly used in horror films and that's one i'll be honest that i hate i hate red herrings yeah it's such an overused to me it's just so come on really well, I think, and it probably didn't do it first, but but Prom Night is is I think the first like sort of big well known movie where it starts off with childhood trauma, and that's what's going to be the problem at the end. Like it revisits that childhood trauma at the end, and so the whole time you think it's somebody else, but it's not. It's the person who survived the childhood trauma, you know, um, which is a cliche. And even then, it seemed goofy, but but you know, I can get, give it credit for doing it first. Well, at number one, most uh, most deservedly, 1978's Halloween, and that takes us right to uh, talk about what's coming up. Right. Well, first, we want to say, speaking of Halloween, that we are going to co-host Corey's podcast, Triple Cast, and we're going to talk about crazy slasher sequels, and we're going to start with Halloween 6, which is one of my all-time favorites because it stars Paul Rudd as a complete nut job. (laughs) Paul, excuse me. Paul Stephen Rudd, as he, right. was, as he was billed in that movie. So so get it right. Yeah, looking forward to that. And we also have uh, our next edition of Fright Club Live coming up here at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, and that is going to be on October 14th. And we're going to be recording this podcast with a crazy, enthusiastic live studio audience. That's right, because there's a happy hour just before. <laughs> That's right. We're going to ply them with uh, with plenty of their favorite beverages and, and have a lot of fun. So if you're in the area, please come by. It's going to be a blast. So we're going to show uh, Housebound, which is so much fun to see, especially with a with a crowd. So and cool. we will the we will count down the the five best Kiwi horror movies. That I think was where you got that. In your That's head. why Kiwi was in my head. That's why. Plus, I just like that fuzzy little fruit. You do. They're tasty. <laughs> I'm catching the next flight to Columbus. Woo! I promise. 
Do it. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, and if you have a second, you're just wondering what to watch this month, uh, madwolf.com. You can find a horror Halloween countdown. Uh, we have a, a new horror movie every day posted up there for your uh, viewing suggestions, so have a look. And also, you've got the latest skeletons in the closet on screenrelish.com. That's right. We look at the early dubious work of Tom Hanks. Woo, he, he knows you're alone. A knows. slasher. A bad slasher. <laughs> he knows you're alone. So so lots to look forward to, and please let us know whether you agree with me on Psycho or, or, or Hope. Or, you know, if you just want to vent about Friday the 13th, you can do it, yeah, too. Yeah, do it, too. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, as always. We are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And Corey on Twitter, you are? I am at Corey Metcalf, C-O-R-Y-M-E-T-C-A-L-F-E. All right. We love to keep the conversation going. So until next time. I'm Hope Madden. And I am George Wolf. This is the Fright Club Podcast. Take us out, Corey. Do you like scary movies? Stay frightful, my friends. Yeah.